Beast Watch News, watching the rising beast of Revelation. In this week's news, Netanyahu once again confirmed a recent Beast Watch News report. I'll tell you what that was later. President Donald Trump's peace plan may be unveiled before the Israeli September elections. The Palestinian emigration issue I've been reporting for the last couple of weeks is moving to the forefront of the news as more news outlets publish articles on this topic. Perhaps this is an indication that Washington and Jerusalem do indeed intend to exercise that 40-year-old option in part or in its entirety. The UNRA, United Nations Relief and Works Agency, continues to slide south while more nations retreat from funding it. This nation's only mission is to fund Palestinians in Israel and Jordan. I'll explain the impact of this later. Israel has carried out drone strikes in Iraq and Lebanon. I'll have a detailed analysis in this broadcast. But now let's start inside Israel with the ongoing Palestinian conflict, which continues to escalate. Trump's peace plan and the Israeli elections are likely being driven by this situation now. The Palestinians have been attacking and murdering unarmed Israelis in retaliation for Jews praying on Temple Mount and pushing to build the Jewish Temple. The Palestinian Authority has not publicly condemned the bomb attack at a West Bank spring that killed an Israeli teenager and the terrorist group Hamas has praised the still unidentified terrorists. Meanwhile, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu responded to the attack by ordering the advancement of a plan for a new neighborhood of 300 homes in the Dolev settlement located near the site of the killing. Unfortunately for the Palestinians, Temple Mount and no part of Jerusalem belongs to anyone but the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. The Palestinians are in the wrong of this, according to Yahweh. As I said last week, they are, in a sense, fatherless, but in another way, they are still Yahweh's Abrahamic descendants, which means they are subject to his chastisement. And chastisement is what they will get if they continue to murder Jews and ally with the king of the north for war against Israel. A pattern that continues today in the house of Israel from the times of Jeroboam and forward. Now let me digress for a moment for my new viewers. The chastisement of both Jerusalem and Ramallah will be the Gog-Magog War. This war is a conflict between brethren. Ezekiel 38.21 says, And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. Those who have listened to Beast Watch News for a while will have heard this before, but for the new subscribers I must give this brief explanation. Gog is an Israelite, 
a descendant of Reuben, according to First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 4. This rebellious Israelite will be brought back to Israel by Yahweh for the Gog-Magog war for punishment to the house of Judah, the Jews, and the house of Israel, Christians and others from the northern kingdom who are still scattered around the world. The Gog-Magog War will be the final battle in the 2900-year-old civil war of the biblical kingdom of Israel, the kingdom that was split after Solomon died. Almost no believers today understand that the current conflict between the Jews and Palestinians has its root in this split which you can read about in First Kings. The two houses, the house of Judah and the house of Israel, which split the house of Jacob, arose at that time, went to war, and generally tried to destroy each other. They've been doing it for the last 2,900 years. These two houses eventually became known as Jews and Christians. And they have taken their fight around the globe, particularly to Europe, where Christians oppressed the Jews quite successfully. And now we see that the Jews want to do some oppression of their own. That is even worse for the Christians than what the Christians Christians did to them. In this mix is Islam, where both the houses are mixed together. Folks, it's just one big family fight. I will give links to this information at the end of the transcript so you can get up to speed. The current situation with Yahweh's people from both houses who live in Israel and Jordan is that all are unrighteous and escalating the conflict which will result in the Gog-Magog war. Murders of unarmed people on both sides is a common occurrence. The modern conflict started on the Palestinian side before Israel's nationhood in 1948. Beginning in 1929, Arabs and Jews openly fought in Palestine, and Britain attempted to limit Jewish immigration as a means of appeasing the Arabs. Those who claim Israel should not be a nation and who side with the Palestinian cause do not understand the prophecies. The modern UN-created political state of Israel, not to be confused with biblical Israel, must exist because both houses must finish their iniquity. Let's take a look at Daniel 9.24. Seventy weeks are determined upon your people and upon your holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Daniel was in Babylon prophesying about an end times Babylon, mystery Babylon. In the end of days, the finishing of the transgressions is for all of Yahweh's people in both houses 
in the three major religions Judaism, Christianity and Islam where they are scattered I finally understand what it means to make reconciliation for iniquity Daniel is talking about the iniquity the hatred between the two houses they were in Babylon because they got scattered there for the hatred and the idolatry and not keeping the jubilees Yahweh is saying our iniquities committed against our brethren for the last 2900 years must result and will result in reconciliation without the formation of Israel as a state almost no end times prophecies could be fulfilled including this one in Daniel and also in Revelation 18 involving the rise of the great city Jerusalem as defined by John in the book of Revelation to its full stature as mystery Babylon those who claim sides between the Jews and Palestinians do not understand prophecy that's why the politicians are having such a hard time in America the misunderstanding is always because of lack of knowledge about the two houses and the fact that both houses are still in exile the Israeli state continues to be in exile from Yahweh simply because the Jews do not have sovereign rule over Israel Jerusalem is still a vassal state of the United Nations but through mystery Babylon she will attempt to gain her own sovereign rule there is another viewpoint in all of this which is the kingdom perspective from Yahweh's viewpoint in heaven all of his people are unrighteous and defiling themselves with the exception of his righteous remnant which we know he has called and is calling out of the Babylonian systems and the physical locations of the mother of Babylon Jerusalem and the daughter of Babylon America all the remnant who understand what is happening according to Yahweh's kingdom perspective what all that we can do is tell the truth of the condition of Yahweh's people whether they are Jews Palestinians stuck in Islam or Christianity and even in lesser religions and secular humanism all of these man-made systems miss the mark of Yahweh's holiness and lead people away from righteousness Abraham's descendants are stuck in religions cultures and government systems that are not their own and they are blind to it but they use these things as the basis for their wars the side that I take which seems to anger some people so that they call me anti-semitic and a user of hate speech the side I am taking is Yahweh's side I view the larger picture the way I believe he is giving me to see and when he, what he sees is his people the physical descendants of Abraham Hebrews fighting with each other 
He also sees the spiritual descendants, Israelites, being confused about the fighting and unable to identify who the physical people are. Israelites are spiritual seed of Abraham through Yeshua. Many years ago, Yahweh began helping me to identify the various people groups in Scripture. What he showed me is that Gentiles are mixed in with his people, and his people are mixed in with Gentiles because of rebellion. It was never meant to be this way. Furthermore, these two mixed groups today give themselves identities based on culture and religion when in fact their identity should be the kingdom identity but Yahweh's people as a whole have never had the kingdom identity except for the righteous remnant starting with Joshua and Caleb from ancient times our people still have family conflicts The first conflict is the one between Esau and Jacob that defines what the Great Tribulation is about. That one is easy to spot. If you know what to look for, you can go to my website and listen to the Esau effect. The second fight is the enmity between Reuben and Judah. This is where the Gog War comes in, which will finally end the enmity, but trigger the Great Tribulation. The third conflict is the one between the two kingdom factions called the House of Judah and the House of Israel. These two factions continued in their 2,900-year-old war all around the globe until it has finally become spotlighted in mostly Israel. This conflict requires that people everywhere take a side either for the Jews, the house of Judah, or the modern physical descendants of Abraham, Hebrews, who are a large population of the Palestinians in Israel and Jordan. Both houses are scattered and mixed together all over the world. We can't take Israel's side, the house of Judah's side, nor can we take the Palestinian side, the house of Israel's side. The side we must take is Yahweh's perspective because his word plainly states that all Israel will be unrighteous in the end of days because we have all been unrighteous all along. He also says they will try to kill each other. This is happening right now. What we are witnessing in Israel between the house of Judah and the house of Israel Hebrews, they are mostly not Israelites because they don't believe in Yeshua except for those from both houses that do believe in Yeshua. But what we are seeing right now is the fulfillment of the animosity between the houses. This war 
has to finish before the world can run headlong into the war between Esau and Jacob. The two houses must reunite to fight Esau finally. Zechariah 9, 12 and 13 says, Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double for I have bent Judah as my bow I have made Ephraim that's the house of Israel its arrow so Judah is the Jews Ephraim is the house of Israel Judah is the bow Ephraim is that bow's arrow and he says I will stir up your sons O Zion against your sons O Greece and I will wield you like a warrior's sword we will come together there is hope but first we have to experience the full force of what true hatred does to Yahweh's and to our people so that we will never do it again mystery Babylon Jerusalem must rise to power therefore the Israeli state must exist in the end of days she must be punished for attempting to establish a kingdom of her own without including all the brethren from all 12 tribes but for now both the house of Judah and the house of Israel are corrupt and it is time to start seeing the situations clearly for what they are in Israel which is a run up to the Gog Magog war this is a difficult knife's edge position to take because everything I say is being deemed anti-Semitic or anti-Palestinian I love both peoples my heart breaks for both sides I pray for them and cry for them because they are brothers and they don't even know it I hope you understand what I'm saying here there is no right side in this conflict from Yahweh's perspective so the best I can do is report the unrighteous errors both are making according to the scripture and explain the prophetic outcome not only have I been dubbed an anti-semite and an anti-palestinian the secular world claims I am inciting hatred and speaking defamation this is why you are now looking at an email I received from Vimeo that they removed my account I was uploading my videos to Vimeo remember YouTube threatened to remove my YouTube account for anti-semitism and hate speech which is why I moved to Vimeo all Beast Watch news videos will be hosted on my own server from now on so there will be no problem getting the word out and no one can take away my right to speak the truth free speech is being denied to the global population based on the opinions of those who do not want any negativity spoken even when what is being spoken is true well I'm here to tell you that saying a word about war is negative speech 
There is war coming, famines, pestilences, etc. But those in power want to stop the public from hearing the truth and preparing for it. So with all that in mind, let's take a look at what happened this week that heralds progress toward prophetic fulfillments in Israel, even if the news is, as always, negative. Let's talk about the peace plan. President Donald Trump on Monday said his administration might release its Middle East peace plan before Israel's elections in September, reversing earlier statements that it would wait until after the Israeli election. There is a likely reason Trump may change his mind and reveal the peace plan before the Israeli election. That likely will be to give Netanyahu a bump on election day. If this is so, then Trump's peace plan will be one that Israelis will welcome. What kind of a peace plan will they welcome? One that removes their enemy from inside Israel. When might that be revealed? Just in time for Netanyahu's bump in the polls just before election day. Remember, Netanyahu has said he is going for broke in this election. He does not want to be faced with making a coalition and losing his prime minister position if a coalition cannot be made. Instead, his plan is to win enough seats. 61 or more so that Likud won't have to be in coalition with anyone. Netanyahu as head over a ruling political party would be almost as good as if he had been made king. He will be able to make almost unilateral decisions. What I'm getting at is that he and Trump could move forward with whatever policy they want for the peace plan without worry from the minority parties if Likud won 61 or more seats. Now so far we know nothing of the political elements of this plan and on the economic side all we know is there is a $50 billion investment package for the Palestinians and the wider region, those nations which are surrounding Israel, where the Trump plan will force Palestinian emigration. The economic plan includes Jordan and Egypt. $50 billion will not be enough to funds to pull off the Jordan option if that is the plan in full or in part. As for Egypt, it may be that Trump will include a Palestinian immigration option for them to Egypt. The article also says U.S. officials have indicated that they will back Palestinian autonomy and self-governance but stop short of endorsing the establishment of a Palestinian state. The term Palestinian autonomy has yet to be defined in the press. The Trump administration has been replacing the term two-state solution with Palestinian autonomy while reiterating it has no support for two states within the borders of Israel. The peace plan model has been the Oslo Accords, according to 972 magazine. 
For decades, the two-state solution has been the central pillar of the bipartisan pro-Israel consensus in Washington. Since the signing of the Oslo Accords, every single U.S. administration has been committed, at least nominally, to the establishment of a Palestinian state alongside Israel. Yet, the expiration of the two-state paradigm under Prime Minister Netanyahu and the lack of a clear alternative to take its place has kicked that pillar away, disordering the policy politics of Israel-Palestine in the United States. Until American decision makers adjust to the current one-state reality, the acrimony, chaos, and division that have marked the past several years will only intensify. Without the pretext of a peace process, the Trump administration is pursuing a post-two-state agenda rife with draconian measures taken against key Palestinian institutions, from closing the PLO office in Washington to slashing funding to UNRWA. Now, this is not me talking. This is 972 Magazine. 972 Magazine is an Israeli magazine. Today, the administration's Middle East policy is being set by right-wing pro-settlement officials and Trump's deal of the century, if it is ever released, is sure to be a gift to the Israeli territorial maximalist right and will unlikely include a Palestinian state. These shifts dovetail perfectly with Israel's annexationist policies on the ground in the occupied territories. In the past, I have said Israel needs to annex all of Israel and rule over it sovereignly so long as they include all current citizens of Israel, Palestinians who are Christians and Muslims, and give them equal status as citizens. This is the kingdom's solution, folks. There are commandments about this that say even strangers are to receive the benefits and justice of the commandments. Back to the article. U.S. politicians and the major Jewish-led organizations that deal with Israel-Palestine have so far failed to adjust in response. Almost all remain committed to a two-state solution despite the clear intentions of both the Trump and Netanyahu administrations to bury it once and for all. And so, in the gap between their stated positions and the reality on the ground, confusion, hedging, and half-measures pervade. Well, the Oslo Accords did not work. The U.S. politicians and most Americans are tired of this issue. Perhaps, and I say perhaps... A plan, any plan, will be better to these politicians than no plan at this juncture. The politicians will continue to spout words for which they have no definition, such as Palestinian autonomy, just so it will appear to their constituents that they are doing something about peace in the Middle East. J. Post had this to say, 
While the details of the 60-page plan are, carefully, are a carefully guarded secret, if the administration would say, for example, that under the plan Israel could extend sovereignty over the large settlement blocks, that is something that would conceivably help Netanyahu with certain parts of the electorate. See, this is talking now about the bump for Netanyahu when Trump makes his announcement. In the run-up to the election in April, Trump recognized Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights, a move widely considered as designed to give a boost to Netanyahu on election day. So will Trump follow his former pattern and agree to Israel's sovereignty over areas A, B, and C in order to help Netanyahu win? Well, not necessarily, but the U.S. recognition of Israel's sovereignty over these disputed areas would go a long way to putting Likud in the power seat. The article continues, Blue and White's Yair Lapid, meanwhile, welcomed Trump's statement, saying the intention to publicize the plan before the election is just and correct. The Israeli public has a right to know what to expect the day after the election, Lapid said. A blue and white government will be a partner for anything that strengthens Israel's security and safeguards the country's interests. Lapid's statement means that Trump will have a peace partner in their party with the caveat that the plan strengthens Israel's security. Well, nothing would make Israel more secure than a forced Palestinian emigration out of Israel, or so they think. In the meantime, here is where Netanyahu is headed, and this is the confirmation that what I have posted in Beastwatch News in the last few weeks is the likely truth. Guess what? Netanyahu last week offered to pay Arabs to leave Israel, and this article says, as commanded in Numbers 3351. This article appeared on August 20th, right in the middle of the two Beastwatch news reports. And while I was being led by Yahweh to look into the Jordan option, that was when Yahweh played his hand. According to this breaking news article, a recent report cited an anonymous source in the Netanyahu government as saying there are efforts underway to eradicate Palestinian aggression by encouraging even paying them to leave. The report comes from a senior Israeli official who claimed that the government of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has been in contact with other governments in the region to explore the possibility of incentivizing Palestinian emigration from Gaza. Breaking Israel News goes on to say, Ridding Israel of its inhabitants is a direct commandment to the Jewish people that is outlined in Numbers 3351. 
Well, let's take a look at Numbers 33:51. We first must get a context starting in verse 50 and continue through to verse 52 because the Jewish Tanakh is numbered differently. Numbers 33:50. And Yahweh spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab beside Jordan at Jericho, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you have passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you will drive out all those who live in the land from before you, and destroy all their carved images, and destroy all their molded images, and pluck down all their high places. So the commandment is to drive out the inhabitants of Canaan, not pay the Canaanites to move, but to drive them out. We're going to see where they were driven out to in a minute, but to drive out the Canaanites, not the Palestinians. We're going to look at the difference between Canaanites and Palestinians in a minute. Well, here is where the PA president Mahmoud Abbas has stepped in it. He said last week, the Palestinians are the biblical Canaanites and have lived in Palestine for 5,000 years. Folks, Palestinians are not Canaanites, even though Mahmoud keeps saying they are, according to Breaking Israel News, and this time they got something right breaking Israel news got this right when they said this claim is refuted by every bit of archaeological evidence ever uncovered in Israel and flies in the face of every credible version of history ever written from National Geographic we learn that more than 90% of the genetic ancestry of the modern Lebanese is derived from ancient Canaanites. And in this study, found on Times of Israel, the Wellcome Trust Sanger Institute has found that far from being destroyed, the Canaanites morphed into the inhabitants of modern Lebanon. The Canaanites later came to be known as the Phoenicians. The Israeli government knows the Palestinians are 77% Hebrew. So does Mahmoud Abbas, but he wants the Israelis to be afraid, very afraid, because the Canaanites were never wiped out like they were supposed to be. This then must mean that the Canaanites will prevail now, just as they did in ancient times, and they will take Israel back for themselves. This is a very bad psyop on the part of Abbas. Now, let's return to this twisted Breaking Israel news article that says, The commandment to kick out the nations dwelling in the land applies to Gentiles who do not abide by the seven laws of Noah. And according to many rabbis, since Muslims in Israel believe in murder, they do not qualify as Noahides. First, let me just say that last statement opens all kinds of doors for war and atrocity between the Jews and the mostly Muslim Palestinians. Also, nowhere in scripture is anyone commanded to obey Noahide laws. 
The Sanhedrin keeps pushing this agenda and their mouthpiece, Breaking Israel News, keeps publishing it. And you know that if something is said enough times, it becomes true in people's minds, right? There is no listing of laws called Noahide in Scripture, let alone that Yahweh said, kick out the Noahides from the land. Now, back to the Breaking Israel News article. In a public talk given in 2016, Shafardic Chief Rabbi Yitzhak Yosef was asked if it was permissible for the Palestinians to remain in the land of Israel. The rabbi answered that it was permissible only on the condition that the Palestinians accept the seven Noahide laws, which include the prohibition against murder. Wow! The Jews have been insinuating for a longer time than I knew that the Palestinians need permission to stay in Israel, which means the Jews believe the Palestinians must go. The plan to incentivize the Palestinians to emigrate was actually proposed by Rabbi Mer Kahane, a member of Knesset and founder of the Kach party. The majority of Arabs will not agree to leave Israel under any circumstances, but sizable numbers, more than we think, will if they are given sufficient incentive, Rabbi Kahane wrote. It is up to those who wish to save Israel from a disastrous crisis that will lead to who knows what to furnish that incentive and to ignore the false protests of ignorance and equally false liberalism. With a fund of money, with visas, with exact charts... The Arabs, and here I stress that this plan would be offered to both the Arabs of pre-1967 Israel and those of the liberated lands, would then be approached and offered a sizable sum, more than enough, to begin a fresh life, to emigrate to the country of their choice. You see... With the discussion of incentives, bribes being paid to the Palestinians is exactly the agenda of the Jordan option that I have been reporting. I can't wait to see Trump's peace plan because I believe there is a high probability that the Jordan option is his plan. The Jews have been talking about this among themselves for a long time, but their desire to remove the Palestinians from Israel is now coming out in the news. And by the way, the Palestinians have known this agenda for a long time too and are rebelling against it already. Hello, Gog Magog War. Now let's continue with the article. It is absolutely known that the Canaanites died out 3,000 years ago, Rabbi Kahana said. Well, the DNA proof says differently. 
The vast majority of the Palestinians came to Israel from 1920 to 1930 during the British mandate looking for work increasing from half a million to one million. There were actually very few indigenous Arabs in Israel before this. The British permitted Palestinian immigration while limiting Jewish immigration. Well, let me just say this. Half a million doesn't equal just a few indigenous Arabs. And these so-called Arabs are mostly not Arabs, but Hebrews, whose ancestors came to Israel with Joshua. The Palestinians came to Israel with the Jews during the same period, the 1920s and 1930s. The Balfour Declaration opened the gates for the return of the house of Jacob both houses this was a prophetic event both houses in the form of modern Jews and modern Arabs the people that are called Arabs who really mostly are not the problem with Rabbi Kahane's statement is that it doesn't acknowledge that these people groups belong to each other not through religion or culture but through Abraham and some of them through Isaac the promised son the Palestinians did not begin to call themselves Palestinians until Arafat began using that term in the 1960s this is from Wikipedia the Palestinian national movement gradually gained international recognition largely thanks to the Palestinian Liberation Organization the PLO founded in 1965 under the leadership of Yasser Arafat the term Palestine was in the Balfour Declaration of 1917 but it was a word referencing Israel before Israel was called Israel beginning in 1948 it was Arafat in the 1960s who popularized the term Palestinians so Abbas is using the Canaanite legend as a threat against Israel because he is in fact trying to start an all-out war in Jerusalem in a video uploaded to Abbas's Facebook page on August 10th and reported by the Middle East Media Research Institute memory the Palestinian president stated that the Palestinian people shall remain here and nobody can remove us from our homeland Abbas also claimed that the Palestinians will enter Jerusalem millions of fighters folks the threat of the Gog Magog war is here the wheels are in motion Trump and Netanyahu want to bribe the Palestinians to leave Israel and the Palestinians are already pushing back but says Mahmoud Abbas we'll still take your money (laughs) the Palestinian Authority said last Thursday it had accepted a partial payment of just over half a billion dollars from Israel according to AFP reports so (laughs) the Palestinians will accept the money and stay in Israel yep (laughs) you got it (laughs) there's a great big fight coming and the PA has said it will continue 
<laughs> oh, I'm trying to get hold of myself <laughs> here. So the PA said it will continue to use those funds <clears throat> to pay for the allowances of imprisoned and dead terrorists down to the last cent, which is why Israel cut off those funds last winter in the first place. The Palestinians, they've learned nothing. And they continue to murder Jews and generally wreak havoc in Israel. It's, it's so insane. It is insane. Can you not see that both sides are in the wrong, but the only right side is Yahweh's side? Another expert on the proposed emigration of Palestinians from, from Israel is Tom Segev, author of 1967, Israel, the War and the Year that Transformed the Middle East, he said Israel, in this Haaretz article, he said Israel also encouraged the emigration of Palestinian refugees to Brazil and other parts of Latin America, besides emigrating them around the Middle East, including into the Sinai Desert, Egypt, and Jordan. Tom Segev also claimed in his book that if nothing was done to rid Israel of the Palestinians, Israel will decline and Jews will be a persecuted minority. These who, those, rather, those who can will flee to America. Well, according to this quote from Tom Segev in Haaretz, the last known attempt by Israel interpreted as soliciting people to leave came in 2016. In February of that year, Israel declared that Gazans could travel abroad via the Allenby Bridge crossing the Jordan River, but on condition that they pledge not to return for a year, not to stop on the way, and not to remain in the Palestinian Authority enclaves in the West Bank. Well, I have to say that wasn't a half bad idea because the Gazans are worse trouble than uh, the Palestinians in the West Bank. <laughs> Despite the many Palestinians who would like to emigrate, only a few hundred people took advantage of the new Israeli regulation and left via the Allenby Bridge. The opening of the Rafah crossing for longer periods over the past year has let them return to Gaza without reference to pledges they signed. In 1967, Israel took upon itself the authority to revoke residency from Palestinians who were not present in the occupied territory during the war or during the consensus conducted there or who went abroad and remained outside the territories for an extended period. This was the only method of encouraging emigration that worked. This authority was taken away from Israel with the signing of the Oslo Accords in 1994, although not in East Jerusalem. Even those who, since that time, left Gaza and the West Bank because of deteriorating conditions and disappointments continue to hold a Palestinian passport and Palestinian ID number 
not to mention a deep connection and emotional involvement. Some discover that other countries don't welcome everyone. Many try any way they can to register their children in the Palestinian population registry. But despite all the failures... Israel's expanding right wing continues to hallucinate about voluntary transfer. The Palestinians long ago proved that there is no such thing, so says Haaretz. What the Haaretz author is saying here is that in her opinion, the only way to get the Palestinians out of Israel is through war. Abbas threatening to start one is all Jerusalem needs to make Abbas's wish come true. By the way, Tom Segev's book was published in 2007. Oh yeah, the Jews have been mustering support for the Jordan option for years. Stay tuned, I'll be right back after these messages. Thank you for listening to the Jerusalem Report on Beast Watch News. Full news coverage with a Hebraic perspective of the headlines fulfilling Bible prophecy. Remember to financially and prayerfully support Beast Watch News for keeping you up to date. Send your donation to Beast Watch News today. It takes money to operate this ministry and your help is much appreciated. Join Pete and Kelly Rambo to clean up Jerusalem and enjoy Sukkot from October 7th to 22nd for only $945. Price includes lodging, breakfast, and dinner each day as well as most transportation. Enjoy other options like tours and shopping. Check AniYosef.com, A-N-I-Y-O-S-E-F.com for details. Sukkot is the Lord's Feast and Jerusalem is the only place to be this year in Jerusalem. Now let's talk about the UNRWA. Part of Trump's plan to make this deal of the century work is the control of all funds to the Palestinians. This week it was reported New Zealand, Switzerland, the Netherlands and Belgium have suspended funding to the UNRWA, a major source of funding funding to the Palestinians in the West Bank. This trend toward destroying the PA's source of international funding through the UN fits the MO of the plot to maneuver the Palestinians toward Jordan or some other Arab nation that is willing to step up. It appears the direction of funding for Palestinians will only be in relation to their moving out of Israel into Jordan or possibly Egypt. And now let's take a look at Israel's election impact on Trump's peace plan. Israel's two biggest parties, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's Likud and Kahol Levan, are gaining traction, but Likud is not gaining the seats it needs to be the only party ruling the Knesset, and neither is it projected to secure a major coalition at this stage. Netanyahu is pressuring the far-right Kahanist Otsma Yehudit party not to run in next month's election, a source in the party told Haaretz on Monday, but Otsma Yehudit chairman Itamar Ben-Gavir denied that Netanyahu 
was asking him to quit the race. This scenario leaves Israel and Netanyahu in the same place as last April with Lieberman poised once again to be the king or rather coalition maker. Now let's take a look at Israel's external battles before we wrap up. Israel is facing internal war but its external battles are heightening as well. The best way to say this is from this Wall Street Journal article titled The Iran-Israel War is Here. This is a premium article and I don't have a subscription but this headline says it all. The escalation between Israel and Iraq this week was a declaration of war according to the Iraqi government. Israel's drone attacks on Iraqi paramilitary groups were launched from bases belonging to the Syrian Democratic Forces in their territory in northern Syria but were assisted by help from the United States base in Iraq. The PMF, the umbrella group of Iraq's mostly Shia Muslim paramilitary groups, said the United States had allowed four Israeli drones to enter the region accompanying U.S. forces and carrying out missions in Iraqi territory. Well, of course, the Pentagon denied involvement. Israeli strikes, which constitute a flagrant violation of Iraq's sovereignty, may come with major costs for U.S. interests in Iraq. Lebanon also has declared that strikes inside Lebanon were a declaration of war. A series of apparent Israeli military incursions into Lebanon over the past two days have ratcheted up tensions between the neighbors and prompted Lebanon's president to suggest Israel has made a declaration of war. Who did Israel strike in Lebanon? <laughs> well, surprise, surprise, the popular front for the liberation of Palestine. The coming Iran King of the North war will be over the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And Saudi Arabia was involved in the planning of the Lebanon strike. This plan to strike the PMF sites was allegedly formulated back in June when the Saudi Minister of State for Gulf Affairs, Tamar al-Saban, visited the SDF-held territories in northeastern Syria. Al-Saban, who is known to be one of the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's closest advisors, also attempted to garner support from the Arab tribes in the area for the Kurdish militias and a movement for a separate Syrian state east of the Euphrates River, which the tribes overwhelmingly refused to participate in. Iran is calling for the United States to vacate its military base in Iraq or be expelled and now says it will launch strikes on Israel from inside Lebanon. Iraqi lawmakers are calling on the United States to fully withdraw its troops. Israel has only claimed responsibility for the Iraqi attack from Syria last Saturday and is saying nothing about the possibility it struck Lebanon.
Hezbollah Secretary General Hassan Nasrallah described the suspected Israeli drone attack in Beirut to be the first act of aggression since the 2006 war. Nasrallah also condemned the alleged targeting of the popular mobilization forces in Iraq and of Hezbollah in Syria, warning that if Israel kills any of our brothers in Syria, we will respond to this killing in Lebanon. Netanyahu responded Tuesday saying, I heard Nasrallah's remarks. I suggest that Nasrallah relax. He knows very well that the state of Israel knows how to defend itself and how to pay back its enemies. In a warning to Nasrallah, the Lebanese government and Iranian Revolutionary Guards Quds Force commander Qasem Soleimani, the Israeli leader, said, Be careful with your words and be even more careful with your actions. Well, dear Israel... You will only be protected as long as our God, Yahweh, has his hand on you. But when it is in his timing, he will remove his hand and you will suffer great losses. Reuters that same day cited two unnamed sources close to Hezbollah as saying the group was planning a calculated strike against Israel in response to Sunday's drone incursion into Beirut. The reaction is being arranged in a way which wouldn't lead to a war that neither Hezbollah nor Israel wants. Reuters quoted one source as saying, The direction now is for a calculated strike, but how matters develop, that's another thing. That Israel struck Lebanon is not clear. Stratford.com said two drones crashed under unclear circumstances on August 24th in the southern suburbs of Beirut. Hezbollah claims the drones were Israeli. The commercially available aircraft were, in fact, of the same type that Israel has used before. Whether the drones malfunctioned, were disabled, or were intentionally sent to crash remains unclear. Israel has not claimed the drones, but it commonly refuses to acknowledge operations abroad. It is important to know whether Jerusalem is guilty of everything being charged against her. On the other hand, it is not important to know whether Jerusalem is guilty of striking Lebanon. Israel did strike Iraq from inside Syria, and to those on that side of Israel's border, all that needs to exist is the thought that Israel is escalating the war, whether or not this is true. One excuse or another will do when the time comes for the Iranian 4 plus 1 coalition to strike. According to JewishPress.com, Hezbollah is planning a massive attack on Israel in the near future and Israel should be prepared for an attack from the Gaza Strip as well, some analysts in Israel and the Arab world estimate. 
Gaza has also become inflamed again in recent days. I have said that when the king of the north, Iran and its coalition, is ready to attack Israel and Jordan, Israel will be dealing with Gaza and the West Bank Palestinians as well at the same time. With Abbas threatening an attack on Jerusalem, Gaza launching missiles, and Iran helping Lebanon attack from the north, Israel is in danger. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.